This is the Unstoppable Authors Podcast with world building warrior Angeline Trevina and the queen of flawed protagonists, H.B. Line. Every week we bring you discussions on the craft of writing, author life and business and interviews with some of the industry's most unstoppable authors. A writer's life doesn't have to be solitary. We're here to bust that myth, support you on your journey and encourage you to be unstoppable. Hello and welcome to episode number 64 of Unstoppable Authors. Today it's just me, Holly, and I have an interview with Robert Carno. We discussed the power of poetry, how writing a screenplay differs from novel writing, and how writing conventions have changed over the years. We have no new patrons this week, but we want to say a huge thank you to our existing patrons. Your support really does mean the world to us. Patrons get early access to episodes, exclusive behind-the-scenes access to our off-air banter, as well as the warm, fuzzy feeling of supporting the podcast. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so for just $3 a month at patreon.com forward slash unstoppable authors. If you would like to support the show in another way, you can share it on social media. We do no paid advertising, so we rely solely on word of mouth to get our episodes to new listeners. So we would really appreciate it if you could share the episode. You can share it in your Instagram stories and on your Facebook, wherever you are active on social media. Just be sure to tag us so that we can share it too. Now then, a quick personal update from me uh, before I get into the interview. So I've been away this week with my family. We went to stay in a log cabin in the forest and it was amazing. We had the chance to uh, do zip lining and archery and we walked in the woods a lot. And that reconnection with nature and that time away from work was so needed and so so valuable so I'm really glad I was able to take the chance to go and do that but now I am home I am back to work and getting on with all of the usual things um and it's a bit of a shock to the system can't lie uh trying not to get overwhelmed but this is the life this is you know what it entails and I wouldn't have it any other way so Yeah, I'm gearing up for a launch. Uh, I will be launching Fate of the Blue Moon today as this episode airs. Uh, It will be out and available and I am nervous. (laughs) I haven't been this nervous about a launch in a while. Um, I think because it's a relaunch, it's a bit of an experiment and I'm really nervous and I've put a lot of money into this and I really Uh, really need it to be successful so yeah there's a lot riding on it which makes it quite a nerve-wracking thing to be doing but here we are so yeah that's what's going on for me and no rest for the wicked the next book launches in two weeks so yeah it's gonna be a crazy autumn so uh our question of the week last week was how do you know when you need to stop and take care of yourself so um, this was a, a big, 
big life question and obviously it's not just about the writing it is about you know other areas of life as well and just a, a general overall look at our lives so it was not an easy question to answer but I wanted to challenge you a bit when I said that question um we had a really really lovely response on the Facebook group uh from Edwin who says this is really a bigger life question I know it's time to break away with a change of focus when obsession with an issue interferes with my ability to clearly see where I am and most often means I've been blind to my condition far too long already I could not empathize more with that comment um I think possibly Edwin speaks for all of us um, with those really wise words. So often we don't realise we need to stop until it's already past the point of really needing to stop. Um, Our lives are so crazy. It's really hard to be self-aware enough to spot the signs before we're already really in trouble. So I just want to encourage everyone listening to take a moment to slow down and check in with yourself and breathe and and think about where you are and just just ask yourself do I need a break so this week our question of the week is what other forms of writing have you learned from so whether you're a novelist or a poet or a screenwriter whatever you write now have you learned from some of those other forms I I have a suspicion what the answer is what it should be no judgment though, no judgment. Just uh, let us know in our Facebook group or on Instagram and uh, yeah, we look forward to hearing from you. And now on to the interview. Today I am chatting to Robert Carno, who is a fantasy author and poet and uh, yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's, I appreciate you having me. Okay. Do you want to start by telling our listeners a little bit about what you write and your journey so far? Sure. Uh, so I am a an author of dark fantasy, primarily. Um, I do have a book coming out next year, uh, which is science fiction, um, where I explore various other aspects of, of life and, and, you know, how we try to traverse this world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I actually got my start in writing through poetry. Um, I began writing poetry some 20 years ago and uh, really found my, my forte in the classical forms and, and uh, just through enjoyment of uh, being able to piece together story through these classical forms. And uh, I, I find that poetry works a lot like a photograph. It's very small, but if you pack in the right words with the right metaphors, you can really create such a, such a more rich environment, a, a much richer uh, meaning and, and depth to it. And uh, so that's something that I thought was, was really fascinating as an author or as a writer at the time. And then I expanded myself into being an author um, and trying to tell stories using kind of that foundation of being able to do that with as little as possible. Um, now that's not to say that my books are short. They're, they're you know, anywhere from 100 to, you know, 140,000 words at the moment. And, um, but I try not to overdo it. Like, like, um, like I see a lot of fantasy authors attempt to do, you know. Mm. So, so, you know, and there's nothing against that, of course. I, I actually enjoy a lot of those longer books, but you know, I try to, 
I try to curtail myself and, and try and pack in as much as I can in as little space as possible, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to be accessible, don't you? Especially as, you know, um, when you're Stephen King, you can get away with, you know, thousand page epics, but <laughs> down here at the at the start of our careers maybe or early in our careers we need to be a bit more accessible than that maybe yeah yeah I don't think we've earned the right to to you know be long-winded no. <laughs> <laughs> okay so um you uh you're working on the screenplay is that right for your dark archer I am. I am. Uh, I have a couple of producers who are interested in it. Um, but the caveat was that I needed to write the screenplay first and, and make sure that I could make it function. That, that's been a, a crazy amount of learning curve going on. Um, kind of hurts the brain a little bit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How is writing a screenplay different from approaching a novel? Uh, so, so it, it is, uh, man, it's, it's hard to really pinpoint it, to be honest, just because there's so many differences. Um, yes, you're telling the same story, in essence, but you really, because of restrictions on length, uh, specifically of the movie itself, you really need to understand uh, kind of the industry standards. So there's a lot of research that goes in even before writing uh, the, the screenplay to understand, well, what's the industry standard? What are they going to accept or even look at, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for the most part, 90 to 100 minutes is what they expect uh, for any kind of movie that, that the average person is going to look to make. And each page is the approximate equivalent of one minute screen time. So you really have to be able to condense everything that you have, which is, you know, obviously most novels are 300 plus pages. You really have to be able to condense that um, and not just with the, the tightening of dialogue and that kind of stuff, but also with the, you know, quote unquote direction that's going on as well. Um, and obviously directors and stuff, they'll have their own vision for how all of that is going to happen and everything. But if there are very specific elements that absolutely have to be in the story to make it function the way you want it to function, then you have to make sure you put that in to the direction side of it. Um, so yeah, it's fascinating. Um, and, and at the same time, uh, because I spend a lot of time specifically in the Dark Archer, I spend so much time in a more quiet space. Um, there's a lot of moments where uh, there's no dialogue. Mm. Um, we're just with the main character who's by himself. And so we're kind of in his head in a matter of speaking and we're seeing the world through his eyes, which are in a, in a very many way, new eyes. And so it's so um, difficult for me specifically to try and capture those elements Mm. um, just because it is so beautiful and I want to make sure that it's done justice right Mm. because those are really pivotal moments not only in the growth of the character but also through the story itself Um, and so yeah it's it's definitely 
like I said, it's a learning, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. It is fun, but it is a lot of work. Mm. I don't know. I honestly don't know which would be easier. uh, Writing a, like adapting a screenplay from a book or just starting fresh. Like I honestly don't know which would be easier (laughs) right now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, you're taking, you know, something you've created and having to distort it not necessarily in a bad way but it's like you say that you know condensing and because it's an entirely different medium and it this the pacing needs to be different and Mm -hmm. just there are so many different demands aren't there for a screenplay and that must be quite challenging yeah yeah And, and trying to figure out the pacing like i mean you're a writer as well so you understand that pacing in a novel is is paramount right mm-hmm. like you, we don't want to be losing our readers to a very slow moment or uh, a period of too much exposition or you know all this stuff right we, yeah. we have to figure out how to balance all these different elements and so um with the screenplay it's just a matter of balancing those plus other elements as well and figuring out the best way to move forward so that the screen time is done right mm-hmm. um, and, and pays the most attention to the story, right? Mm-hmm. And, so, and so there's a, there's a lot of focus, I think, or maybe a shift of focus um, when talking about a screenplay to a novel, uh, you know, because with a screenplay, you really have to be able to focus on what's being able to be seen because mm-hmm. um, you can't really see inside of a person's head in, in mm-hmm. a movie. Um, but you can do that in a novel. And so how do you convey that same impact that you had in the novel onto the screen? Mm-hmm. You know, um, is it even possible? And so these are questions that you have to wrestle with as you're going along. Um, but it's, it's a whole new exercise in, uh, you know, trying to master that mental um that mental uh hurdle i guess (laughs) if that makes sense like yeah like it's it's hard you know um but at the same time i I think it's a worthy exercise to really be able to to understand what it is that the screenplay writers or tv producers you know etc that what they actually have to go through Mm. Uh, and what they have to do like i think it's very easy as a as a fan of a show to simply say oh well that sucked or you know the ending was this or whatever the case may be it's very easy from the sidelines to say something like that Mm. but i think um i think i have a new appreciation now (laughs) you know (laughs) Yeah. Uh, are you watching anything in particular for inspiration? Um, watching for inspiration right now? Not really. Um, I have in the past. I, I, I'm both a, a huge fan of the books and of the movies, but, you know, like the Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when it comes to the screenplay, I, I kind of try to look at Peter Jackson as kind of the gold standard, mm-hmm. uh, specifically with the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I think um, outside of my initial anger at his removal of Tom Bombadil, <laughs> uh, those movies are functionally perfect. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, you know, after I got the extended version with all the extras and watched all the extras, I realized that 
they made the right decision, even though I was still very sad. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, but it's still cool though. Like, um, you know, uh, as a, as a novel, as a novelist, I I think I I sit, you know, most of my inspirations come from Tolkien anyway. Mm. Um, And not necessarily that I pull or draw specifically from his worlds, but I look at him as kind of a, as both what to do and what not to do mm. in writing. Uh, I really enjoy um, the story and the scope of it and everything that he's done with that. But when it comes to the world, when it comes to uh, the way he maybe followed a specific uh, character all the way through to the end, and then we have to jump back in time, like some of that stuff was a bit annoying to me right mm. and, and that's not to say that it's a it's a you know indictment on his on his work it's just to say that i think it's wise to learn from the good and the bad yeah and so that's what i try to do in, in my own writing I, I try to learn from the good and the bad and and then work from there you know mm. better or worse right yeah, definitely. And I love Lord of the Rings, but the Two Towers is a slog to get through the book. It's yeah. it's hard. It's really wordy and really slow. And yeah, it's not I I wouldn't I wouldn't write a book like that today. I think, you know, conventions have changed a lot. Um Yes. Yes. And and, and I think it's hard too. Like I, I write with a classical feel. Um and I do that on purpose. But what's really interesting is that even though I write with that classical styling, um, again, trying to learn from the mistakes and, and, you know, the do's and don'ts. Right. Mm. Um, I have really focused on not being too wordy um, to, to try and narrow down what it is that I'm trying to say in that moment, Mm. uh, what matters in that moment. So, you know, a a lot of like my character development is very um, purposeful, right? I I don't go through pages of exposition on a specific character because you're going to get all that through these little moments that happen. You're going to get all that through, you know, somebody else making this random comment about, hey, this here uh, happened and you were this and this and this and suddenly you get this whole level of depth to a character that you may have liked or not liked and then your opinion might switch mm. on the on the dime there and so I think that those kinds of things are super important in really kind of um, digging into a character digging into the writing and and it's something that I really try to be mindful of when I'm uh, creating not just characters but settings and cities or what have you you know yeah okay so um, you mentioned having a couple of producers interested in the screenplay Mm -hmm. did you did you pitch to them were you approached like how is this process kind of how was it initiated well, actually, um, I really didn't have anything to do with that. That's all on my brother. Um, my brother kind of looked into a, a job working uh, for a filming crew. And um, 
you know, he was a, a medic and then he got to be an extra in the, in the movie they were making. And so he was super excited and stuff. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, that's where he kind of pitched the idea to the producers there, or, you know, maybe they know of somebody who is more interested in fantasy and, you know, would they be interested in doing something like this? And so that's how it came about. Um, I, you know, so it's interesting, um, all of that, because like the producers themselves have very specific constraints that they also have to follow. Um, you know, they, they could be interested in a project, but it, it's still hindered by what studios want or what is, um, what is in the, in the popularity side of things you know in the moment and so it it, it can get really difficult i think for the for everybody involved i mean (laughs) you know i i look back at at ryan reynolds it it took him what 10 years to get deadpool done Mm -hmm. right um and it took leaking you know test footage to get that done you know (laughs) like to get the fans really excited for for them to you know get behind the project and and then the studio will jump and stuff so there's a lot of those other elements in there that we have to really consider and and try and figure out okay well who would be interested in watching this movie right and would they be interested in watching this movie just because it's a fantasy in the same vein as like lord of the rings or george R. R. martin right song of ice mm-hmm. and fire or would it be because it's it's fantasy but it's new and fresh and focuses on something else like how do we pitch this mm-hmm. and so you know kind of having your audience and knowing who your audience is and how big that audience could be all play as factors into the decision making throughout the whole process right mm-hmm. so um so yeah yeah i mean even though the there's people interested even though i'm writing the screenplay there's no guarantees yeah. in any of that you know and and i it's just like publishing a book you know you can't publish something you haven't written yet right mm-hmm. yeah and and there's a lot of people out there who really have you know they're like well I need to do this and this and this and this. And it's like, okay, well, have you finished your book yet? <laughs> you know, and they haven't, right? Mm. They're, they're, they're literally putting the cart before the horse and it's not going to function very well like that. You, mm. you know, yes, the work begins when you finish and write the end on your manuscript, but that's, that's still like the first and most important bit of what you have to do as an author. Mm. And so I think that that's one of the things that it makes it difficult, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a very similar challenge, I think, to the traditional publishing route um, where, you know, again, it's all dependent on the market and um, what the publisher is looking for and all of that. It's really similar, I think, with the film industry and TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it really is, you know, and, and I kind of lucked out with my publisher where um, they they liked me before um, I came to them. And, uh, you know, so it kind of worked out that way. Mm-hmm. But I, I got lucky in that, in that sense. Um, so you know, not everybody has that kind of that kind of luck. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other aspect is that, you know, they really love what I did. Um, and actually the, the way they found me was through 
my initial release, which is actually called The Suffering. It's a, it's a little novella. It's 27,000 words long, but it sets the stage basically for everything that comes after. Mm-hmm. So, so the Dark Archer, this, the Shadow Cult, and then I'm working right now on uh, the World Soul, which will probably be released next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll wrap up that first trilogy, which is the first third of a much bigger arc. So we'll, uh, we'll be getting to that. So it's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, I have, we have lots of plans. There's lots coming, you know, but um, I, I really... You know, I have to remember sometimes you, you got to focus and, and get this written. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's always another idea, isn't there? And something else that kind of gets your attention. Always, always. <laughs> yeah. So did you self-publish the novella? I did initially, yes. I, I self-published the novella mostly as a... It was an attempt to kind of figure everything else out, right? Like I, I, I initially published it... It wasn't polished. I'm not going to lie. The, the first edition of that was kind of crappy. Um, but it still got attention from like the publisher and stuff. And they, they read that and they're like, hey, this is really good. What are you working on now? And so I, I told them about it. I already had the cover artist. I already had like all that stuff. So they, their, their job was pretty limited as far as anything. They needed to edit and kind of go through some of that stuff. But for the most part, it was really going to come down to just, um, it was going to come down to me, you know. So I finished it up. I, I got, I already had my cover artist. She was working on, on the cover, which is, you know, 100% original work. You know, she, she literally did it all herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've kept her ever since for my other books because she is mind-blowingly good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that, too, because, like, the cover for The Shadow Cult is gorgeous. It is stunning. So, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. And, and that's bias aside. I'm, I'm just that proud of, of, her, of her work and, and everything. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And, and, you know, that's one of the other aspects, I think, about being an author that, um, especially on, on the more indie side, right? Mm. Um, I think that's one of the aspects that's kind of often overlooked was is how many really talented people we get to meet. Yeah. You yeah, know, absolutely. Not just authors either, you know, because, yeah, I mean, there are definitely authors out there who are amazing and, you know, not just to meet them, but, like, to pick their brains and to learn from them and stuff. But, like, also the cover artists or editors or anything like that like all of those things they matter yeah. and you know any one of these people is worth their weight in gold you know mm. yeah and when you find that team as well that that just clicks and that you can keep going back to there's there's no um it's priceless i think it is i would agree with that yeah mm. yeah Okay, so um, what has it been like then working with a publisher? Like what um, you said, their input is fairly minimal, but um, do you have like um, sort of your own team that are, you know, in your corner? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a small indie publisher, but um, they're growing. And, and uh, I would say that we definitely have our, uh, our team in place as far as that goes. I um the cover artist that i work with is not associated with the with the publisher at all uh she's completely freelance um but 
as far as the the publishing team, you know, the editors are top notch, you know, and that's like, for me, that's one of the bigger aspects because I am an editor myself Mm -hmm. and I, I appreciate the value an editor brings. Um, You know, yes, I write really well, even right out the gate. I am kind of uh, special like that, I guess, but it also takes me a lot longer to write than most other authors. So, you know, we're talking, you know, even over the course of 50,000 words, I'm looking at, you know, anywhere from six months to a year of, of writing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, some other authors can do that in a month. I, I can't do that, you know. <laughs> so it's super, it, it, it's one of those things where, yes, my final, my first draft is also like my final draft. Um, but I appreciate what an editor brings to the table because I'm too close to my own project, Mm -hmm. right? Like I should not be editing my own project. No. Right. Um, now if there needs tweaks or anything like that, I should know where those need to go and I can go and fix those before I send it off to the editor. But, um, I still need an editor to come and, and, you know, sweep up after me, um, Mm -hmm. make sure that, that all the little pieces fit and make sure that all the, but the storyline functions the way it needs to work and you know those kinds of things yeah and uh and so I, yeah like i said i appreciate what um what these editors do for me and, and what they bring to the table and everything so it really helps you know mm-hmm. as far as that goes so um th- that's probably my biggest thing because like like i say i mean i found i found the cover artist i found all those other things and i was like you know what i can do this myself but i still needed the editor I, I I couldn't function without that. And, mm. uh, you know, I would say the only other aspect of publishing that, that I don't like, which probably the only aspect I don't like is the marketing, but it's also the most important aspect. So, you know, can't yeah. sell without. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you want people to buy the book, you kind of have yeah. to market it. You kind of have to market it. Yeah. yeah. That, that part, that part is probably the one part that just kind of like gets under my skin and I'm just like, no. <laughs> um, but uh, doing like interviews and stuff like this, I mean, I, I enjoy that and, and, you know, getting on blog tours or whatever that, like, I think that's fun and, and awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets me out there a little bit and, and I can appreciate that. I think my biggest aspect uh, when it comes to marketing is just, you know, uh, telling people go buy my book. Um, you know, it, I, I feel like, like they need to have a reason to buy it. Mm. Right. It's not just, Ooh, the cover's pretty or, you know, Ooh, he talks pretty. Like there needs to be a reason, mm. you know, and, and I'm very aware of the fact that not everybody is going to read one fantasy and two, uh, going to be, you know, liking my style mm-hmm. choice, right? My voice. And that's okay too. So it makes it hard, I think, sometimes for us as authors to just take a deep breath and then uh, let go what we can't control and try and find a way to, you know, control the things we can, right? Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, I just want to circle back to um, what you were saying about, obviously, that you're an editor as well. Mm-hmm. Do you find it easy or difficult to turn your an inner editor off when you're writing? Oh, sometimes it's almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I have a hard time turning that off. I will sit there and I will stare 
at a paragraph I just wrote for sometimes days and term like this is really good I want to keep it but I don't know if it functions and, 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 and you know it's just back and forth in my mm-hmm. head and you know eventually I either keep it or I cut it or I work something else entirely just to keep it which is a whole other set of work that you know mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't have done in the first place and oh, yeah yeah no I can't turn off my inner editor thankfully if I get to a point where I'm stuck I'll just get up and walk away from from my computer um, or I'll play a video game or something just to kind of shut my brain off for a little bit mm-hmm. and I find that helps because it helps me focus on something else when my brain's kind of tweaking in the background. And then when I get there, you know, when my brain finally gets there and I have that aha moment and then I can sit down and finish hacking out what I needed to, what I, what I needed to do. But um, honestly, I have let my manuscript sit for months and then I feel like Gandalf. I have no memory of this place. <laughs> so yeah, good times. Yeah. That's that's awful. I've recently come back to a manuscript after leaving it since last November, and it is it's so hard to get back into. Oh, oh my goodness, yeah. yeah, it can it can be really difficult. Uh, I, I understand completely. And then you're like trying to read back through it, and sometimes you're just like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I've I've had to completely restructure it because. Yeah, and yeah, I realized it started in the wrong place. And yeah, so, oh. but sometimes you need that break to realize things like that, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't see those things as negatives, you know. Mm. Um, and oftentimes they can actually help us become better later on if we, if we actually learn from it, you know, and I'm always for learning more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I, I just have the, uh, the would you rather question which okay. our guests really um, either dread or look forward to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so would you rather give up your epic curved computer screen or give up reading? Ouch. <laughs> uh, can I read on my epic computer screen? No. Dang it. <laughs> messed up. That's, that's, wow. Um <sighs> Well, I guess I could give up my screen for reading. I, I would actually, I'd die if I wasn't able to read. Mm. I have to read. Um, you know, whether it's fantasy or nonfiction, you know, any kind of fiction. Like, I just, I love books. Uh, you know, some of my favorite books are actually not even fantasies. They're, you know, Thomas Harris. Uh, you know, the, the stories with Hannibal Lecter. Mm. Or at least the first three of them, you know, um, are my, my favorite books ever. Um, so yeah, I don't think I could live without reading. I, I would die. So I guess I'd have to give up my computer screen. Mm. Okay. That's messed up though. That was a really <laughs> messed up one. Uh, sorry. I see how you are. I see how you are. Man. See, no, not... cause normally Angeline asks me the question, you know, when we do our joint shows. So when I'm interviewing someone, I like to get a little bit of revenge. <laughs> oh, I loved it though. No, that's, that's a good question. Cause uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, I love my screen. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think even more than, cause I love gaming. I, I, I'm mm-hmm. a big gamer nerd, you know, but honestly, you know, I can live without it. 
I can't live without books. Mm. I just yep. can't. I agree. I so, <laughs> yep. Okay. So my final question, where can our listeners find out more about you and your books? Uh, well, um, probably the best place would be Instagram. Uh, I do have a Twitter, which uh, both Twitter and my Instagram are at shadowy embrace. Um, and then my blog site is shadowyembrace.com. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just kind of a handle that I, I had since I was a poet and I kind of kept it. So I was able to buy the buy the domain for that and have had it ever since. So I'm pretty excited about that. But um, but yeah, so you can find me there. I also have a reader group on Facebook, um, which is, I think, at, I think it's uh, facebook.com slash beyond the fall. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the fall is kind of a big uh, event in the history in my books. Right. And so um, everything that happens now is happening beyond that. And so we get to kind of uh, hear about the past and stuff. And I'll be doing a spinoff book on, on the fall specifically telling that story. So that that's going to be fun. Um, and then I also have a spinoff planned for uh, a master thief that we get to meet in, in my books. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, I I'm pretty excited about that stuff, but please, follow me uh i don't i'm actually not good at twitter so if you follow me there you're gonna have to like kind of teach me and stuff a little bit um if you follow me on instagram uh, i will probably keep you laughing for the most part because i like posting really hilarious writing memes yeah your memes are great <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, you know and and of course i also put updates and stuff in my books and and uh you know little things and uh the the good content that people seem to really uh, attach to are usually the more vulnerable and personal stuff, which I don't do a whole lot, but I do from time to time. And, you know, we can sit and we can discuss those things and um, help, uh, help push each other along on this journey we call life. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Well, thank you. I had absolute fun being here. Great. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Robert and have been inspired to try something new. Just a reminder of our question of the week, what other forms of writing have you learned from? And remember that if you want to hear all the backstage stuff and get all of the other benefits, you can join us at patreon.com forward slash unstoppable authors. And please don't forget to share the podcast online and tag us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search for unstoppable authors. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Unstoppable Authors Podcast. We'll be back next week with more of our tenacity and worldly wisdom. If you want even more of us, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And our show notes and heaps of helpful blog articles are at unstoppableauthors.com. We want to connect with you. Join our Guild of Unstoppable Authors via our website and you will not only hear from us every week, but you will also get a free digital copy of my book, 30 Days of World Building. We also have a Facebook group where we hold each other accountable, share our goals and successes and encourage each other to be unstoppable. You can find that at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash we are unstoppable authors if you enjoyed the episode please remember to subscribe and leave a review
See you next week.